I knew that Rachel's older brother can spit a little, but I didn't know about Rachel. Um, before we go on to the scripture reading, I wanted to take the next three weeks to introduce our deacons and the ministries they're going to be involved with. So the first, this first week, we're going to talk about the invite ministry. In the invite ministry, we have three ministries, uh, which is the events ministry, and we also have the care ministry, and then we have the college ministry. And starting from this month, we have three new deacons that are going to be that are going to be serving these ministries. So I'd like you to meet them, and they're going to be briefly uh, describing their ministry. So Kenny, Amy, Jung, um, can they come up? And uh, let's give them a welcome. Uh, hey, everyone. My name's Kenny, uh, and I'm a member of the college ministry. Uh, and I will be for the upcoming year. Um, our students are back in school, um, but just because they're not here with us does not mean that we can stop caring for them and loving on them. Um, our students are such an important part of our ministry here and our family here. Uh, we are excited to continue raising up the next generation of leaders and disciples uh, for Christ. Um, so what we want to do, we want to inspire by building a healthy community, by encouraging them through fellowship, and worship, and providing them an effective channel of mentorship between the college ministry and the Pilgrim EM family. And we want to nurture by teaching from the scriptures, encouraging growth through Christian education and spiritual disciplines. And finally, we want to raise disciples by providing effective leadership, training through retreats, prayer meetings, worship sessions, Bible studies, mentorships, college visitations. <clears throat> And, and every resource that we have here possible to raise up disciples. Um, so please come talk to me if you want to be a part of this, whether it's on visitations, whether it's helping out with college small groups, or just being a part of mentoring some of the students that we have. Um, they really need you guys, and they want to get to know you. Um, so please come talk to me. Um, use me as a, as, a, as a point of contact to get to know these college students, and uh, hopefully we can raise them up as disciples. Thank you. Hi, I'm Amy Chung, and I'm going to be helping with the care ministry this year. Um, it's a new name for an old ministry. It's basically the ministry that welcomes uh, newcomers and people who are joining us. Uh, maybe not for the first time, but for the first several weeks or months or even years in some cases. <laughs> but we're hoping um, that people will feel welcome here. If you have any desire to be just a friendly face for people who may not know that many people in our EM, please. I strongly encourage you. It's a very simple ministry that you can be part of, but I hope that you would be able to join me. Thank you. Thanks, Kenny, for being so prepared. <laughs> but um, hi, my name is Jung. Um, <laughs> my name is Jung, and um, I guess lastly, I'm uh, taking charge of the fellowship, the events. So along with college and also care, uh, we are... Um, doing a ministry for the entire English ministry. So from like, I guess, Hallelujah Night, Halloween, Thanksgiving, or even Christmas potluck, um, these are the type of events that we are actually inviting the whole congregation to attend and really participate. So if you are interested at all um, in joining this ministry to help lead, 
have any great ideas that we could provide for the whole congregation, please come see me. Um, thank you. Today's scripture reading comes from Ephesians chapter 4, chapter, chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. Please stand for the reading of God's word. Hear now the word of the Lord. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Hello, everybody. You may or may not have noticed that uh, in between uh, little transitions in our worship, we have people coming in and clearing the stage. I just want to say when I was young, younger, um, I used to do that. And they wanted a special name because they didn't want me just, they didn't want to just call me the guy who moves the mics off the stage. So they called me the sound engineer. And so I was the sound engineer for about a year, and uh, I realized how important even the little things are in transitions, and if you notice, uh, everything becomes more clearer, and you see everybody participating in something beautiful as we come together to give worship to God. The background that you see here, the PowerPoint slides that are being made every week, that even up to the chairs that you're sitting on, Everybody participates. That's how we have what we have. And I hope that we can appreciate all the things that go on. Because of all this, it has been 18 years since the inception of Pilgrim Church. Everybody coming together. Everybody continually praying. Everybody pouring out their energy, time, strength, money, all that they had. And for 18 years, we see that God has been the God who was faithful and blessed all the things that were planted. And we are standing here because of his faithfulness. He has made all the things that we've sown and watered. He has made it grow. So I just want to take this time and opportunity to thank God for what he has done in this church. Because could we give him a clap offering just for the 18 faithful years? He's been to us. So thank you, Jesus. It's also exciting because 
we're going to be installing two brand new deacons, um, reinstalling four. And, of course, I, we've been putting the names up for the last three weeks. But the two new ordained deacons that we will be ordaining today was uh, Eugene Park and Hannah Beck. Could, are they, could you guys just stand up so that we know who you are? Yes. I'm so excited. And they will be, uh, they will be being installed at 5.30 uh, today. So please come join the celebration Afterwards, there's great food, which they help pay for. And we have four deacons that were serving for the past three years. And the terms are up, but they were willing to serve another three years and commit another three years in service to the church and to God. And you've, you know them, so I won't have them stand. But uh, I want to kind of focus on the two that are kind of taking a break, but... In my opinion, I don't think there's really breaks. I think there's a short rest period so you could get a, a little breather. But then God starts saying, you, you should start running now. Your muscles are going to cramp. So just start running. So there are two people that really serve diligently. And I just want to recognize them. Sung Kim and Jin Chung. Where's Sung and Jin? Can you guys stand? They're right in the back on the, to my left. So thank. If you see them, please thank them for their faithful service. I mean, and they'll probably re- respond, I didn't do it for you, but it's okay. Um, we've been going for the past few weeks on Ephesians. And Ephesians is who is the church. Who is the church is incredibly important. And it's been an exciting ride for me, hopefully you too. Um, those that are listening on podcast or SoundCloud, I just want to thank you for listening. We do always have a few hits, and I know people that are abroad or off campus that have been commenting. And it's been an exciting ride. And last week, Paul takes this detour. He took this detour, and we realized it was an incredibly important detour. It was on suffering and how the Bible does not shy away and the subject and topic of suffering. But in fact, it goes head on and tackles it. And in fact, we see that through Jesus Christ, suffering is conquered. Jesus Christ triumphs over all suffering. And so now we are back onto verse 14. He goes back onto track after this detour. And he starts talking about for this reason again. So now we're back on track. For this reason And thinking about the gospel, thinking about all the things that we have learned or what he has talked about in the last three chapters causes Paul to pray. When we think about the gospel, does it cause us to pray? But it causes Paul to pray. What is he praying? What is he praying for? He's praying that we have the church have power through the spirit. He is praying that we have power through the Spirit. May God strengthen you through the power, through the Spirit. And why is this important? Well, if you think about it, you start thinking and you start seeing in this passage three huge elements. And the huge elements are, number one, the indwelling of Christ by faith. And number two, the gravity just the greatness of his love that surpasses all the all things and number three he wanted us to be filled to the measure of the fullness of God so 
the indwelling of Christ, the greatness of God's love, and to be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. And you start thinking about that. Start thinking about that. And the question should be, wait, didn't he talk about all this already? I mean, I've been a Christian, and I know these things already. In fact, if we've been faithful in following through these sermon series, and if you've even read chapter 1 and 2, these things are not new topics. These are actually old. So why would he pray this again? And what's so exciting about saying things over and over again? It's actually not that exciting. So why would he do it again? And then you see a word in there that changes everything. And the word in there is grasp. Grasp. You can say, we already know all these things. You can say, why is he speaking to a people that already has these things? As Christians, don't we already have these things? And he's saying, God, give them these things. But he uses a word that we need to pay attention to. And the word is grasp. If you think about it, the reason why he is saying it is because at one level, a lot of us, we know. We know that Christ died for us. We know that God's love is amazing. We know that Christ is with us. We know that we need to be filled with the Spirit. We know these things, but now he's praying a deeper prayer. And he's saying, God, may you give them or grant them a grasping of the gospel because a lot of us we know in our in our minds oh yeah god jesus died for me i learned this when i was in you know when i was in sunday school or when i started going to church the pastor would preach this is the gospel and it made sense to me but the question is do we grasp it because it is possible to say that we are christian and not know god's love in our hearts, in our inner beings, like Paul is saying. It's possible that you know something, but you never experience it. You can look it up on Google. You could be like, oh, um, Moscow is great. Or, oh, Rome is great. But it's different from when you go there and experience the Colosseum. It's different when you see the weather in a different country and you see these things firsthand. It's okay to look at the map and say, oh, if I set sail from here to here, the waters may be here, choppy here. This is what I've studied. But it's different when we actually get on a boat and we set sail and you experience the waves for yourself. You see the winds hit you in the face and you man the sails on your own. It's different. So God, so he's asking God, God, has, have the church grasp these things in verse 16 in their inner being, verse 17 in their heart. Only if you have this grasping can you handle all circumstances. A spiritual inner sensitivity to the gospel to grasp these things is basically to say that I have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good, the psalmist says. And I, I, I showed when I was a pastor for the young children in a program in this church called Awana. This is like seven years ago. Um, I would have all the kids, there were about 
80 kids and have every single kid stick out their finger. And then I had all the teachers go around and put a little drop of honey on their fingertip. And I would give a sermon. They didn't listen to any of the sermon because I told them they can't, they can't do anything to that finger. Um, they can't lick it. Now it's just really unhygienic. I realized uh, seven years ago, that was terrible. They could have gotten salmonella. I don't know, something, E. coli. But all they would be doing is focus. They could only focus on this one drop of honey. And they would see the characteristics of this honey just dripping down their finger, how it sparkles in the light, how it looks so tasty. And they just wanted to kind of taste the honey, but they couldn't. But that's like us. If you don't actually taste and see, all you do is look at it, but you'll never really see how good honey really is. And honey is amazing. Honey is absolutely astounding when it's in the mouth, right? Same way, knowing God in your mind that he is gracious is different from experiencing God. So in verse 17, Christ's opinion, love, and presence is more real when you actually know him. Something happens to the church. Something happens to someone you know. And what happens is we become devastated because all the, th- all the things that we knew, that's important, all the things that you know, If it doesn't get translated here, something happens outside. It could be the church. It could be someone you know. And then what happens? You become devastated because you didn't actually know that Christ could actually do these things. He can actually save us. He can come and he's the one that gives us hope. And so I was was, um, watching a clip from The Late Show. And there's a new host, Stephen Colbert. And uh, he, he stopped the show and he said, you know what, I don't know what's right after what happened in Oregon. Because some people are saying we need stricter gun laws and some people are saying we need to focus on mental health issues and bring that into light. He doesn't know if none are true or if both are true. And to be honest, he doesn't know. But what he does know is that without any change, we can't expect change to happen. And this is a very unfortunate time in our society where a lot of us in our generation we feel paralyzed because we not we're not sure what do we do because if we do this won't these bad things happen or if we do this won't these bad things happen and we're just totally paralyzed and nothing happens but if nothing happens how can change ever happen if you don't if you haven't been keeping up um, that's unfortunate, but I'm sure most of you have. But Umqua Community College in Oregon, um, a shooter came in, and he went to the auditorium. He went to the class, and he would say, if you are a Christian, stand. And they would stand. And he would ask them if they're a Christian because he would say, you're going to see God in a second. And he would shoot them in their head. And if they answered no, he would shoot them in another body part and they would slump down. They would be injured. And this happened in Umqua Community College. And you, we began wondering, like, what, what happens? What about us? What if it happens to us? Would we have the courage 
to stand. But that's why I think this passage is so important. You can know Jesus here. But do you know Jesus here? Because if you know Jesus here, you know that he is more real than anything you've experienced because you have experienced him. And when you were down low, he really did pick you up. So when something like Umqua Community College happens, we do not lose hope. When the enemy comes and attacks us and says, you know what, this situation in this church or this community, it's messed up, it's terrible, you guys are going down and we get attacked. If you have Jesus Christ, you have hope that we will not be pushed down forever. That the one that picks us up isn't the things of this world, because the things of this world doesn't make sense. It can't completely solve all our problems. It can't. And when you only think of the ways of the world, there is no solution. But if you have Jesus, and you have experienced him, not just here, but here, then there is a hope that will never die. There is a hope that goes beyond reason. And you just don't understand it, but you have this hope. There is a peace that the world can't give, but you have this peace. It's because you've met Jesus Christ. And that is what Paul is praying for the church in the church of Ephesians. Have them grasp the love of God. And this should be our prayer. If we see the importance of Jesus Christ in our lives, we should be praying for one another. God, have them grasp The love of God, because otherwise everything is jaded. Everything is bitterness. Everything is dark. Everything is hopeless. There's nothing in the future that can grant me any kind of joy at all. But we know someone that has conquered the darkness. If anything, if any situation was hopeless, it should have been when the Son of God was nailed to that cross and the Father abandoned him. And he would cry out, my God, my God. Why have you forsaken me, the source of life, the creator of all things? Why have you forsaken me? But see, Jesus Christ didn't just stay dead. He took our sins, he went to the grave, and he rose again. And he showed people, here I am. I'm alive. Put your hands through these holes. I am alive. If you don't believe me, look at me. Touch me. I am alive. He gave them a hope that they could see, that they could touch, that they could believe in. And that hope was stronger than anything that the world could have offered. And these people would go out into the world and they would literally, literally die and be martyred, beheaded, crucified, upside down for Jesus Christ. How could anybody do that? Unless they had the hope that was unfailing. And here we are. We're, we're going to, if not as a group, individually, we will be facing circumstances that may seem dire in the world's eyes. You're a hopeless case. Your family's a hopeless case. Your church is a hopeless case. Your community, this country, it's a hopeless case. But how do Christians respond? Christians that have experienced the love of Christ respond in a way that the world does not understand because they have seen something, they have experienced something that the world has not experienced. Until you have grasped it, 
you have led a phony life. You live a poor life. You have to grasp it. Tim Keller um, gives a great example of this. It's like when someone has an incredible bank account. Someone left them an incredible inheritance. Like we've read in Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 2. This inheritance. And you have this incredible inheritance. It's in your bank account. You have millions and millions of dollars in your bank account. And that you don't know it. You don't live it. You can say, oh yeah, I have a million. I have a million. But not experiencing, not grasping it. It's like living without ever withdrawing from that bank account. You live a phony life. You live a poor life. Unless you actually experience it. You take it. You take hold of it. And then you use it. And you live it. So that's what Paul is praying for. Have them live this life. And people who have stepped into this and they see God's power at work. Oh man, you can't take that away. It's more than emotion. It's more than just, you know, saying, oh yeah, 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 in my head. It's more than that. It's more than what even music can bring to us as much as I love music. It's more than just what we can be taught. And Paul is saying, Experience it. God, won't you have this church grasp it? When I was a a younger man, I remember going to church. I don't know why. I was just compelled to go to church. And there was nobody there. It was dark and quiet. I was just compelled to pray. And I sat there. There was no music playing. There's nothing in the background. Nothing that I can see. And I sat, I remember in in the second second row of, of pews, And I just started weeping. God had touched me in a way that I couldn't fully describe. And I started to repent of all my sins. Saying these things really kept me from knowing you further. This bitterness, this anger, this confusion, these sins kept me from knowing you. And I started repenting. There was no one there. There was no music playing. I didn't need any kind of artificial kind of environment made for me and I thank God for that experience because even though he can go through music even though he has he can go through emotions he can go through certain things that we make that's all up to God he chose not to and he showed me that he doesn't have to and there I met with the Lord and my life was never the same It's something that I kept with me all my life that I can never forget. And if I meet a Christian, that is what I would pray for. To have this meeting with God that they can never forget. Blaise Pascal, when they only realized this when he actually um, passed away. They found in his inner lining of his coat, he had sewed something in there. So they took it out. And it was one journal entry. And in this journal entry, he wrote about his meeting with God. And the first words that came out, first word that came out, you can look it up, just just, uh, Google Pascal and then fire was that. He just wrote fire. And when he wrote it, he said, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, Not of philosophers and scholars. He was a philosopher. He was a scholar. But he wrote, fire. 
God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, not of philosophers and scholars, certainty, certainty, heartfelt joy, peace, God of Jesus Christ, God of Jesus Christ, my God and your God, thy God shall be my God, the world forgotten and everything except God. He can only be found by the ways taught in the Gospels, greatness of the human soul, O righteous Father, the world had not known thee, but I have known thee. Joy, 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 tears of joy. And he goes on and he experiences God. He can never forget it. He never wants to forget it. So what does he do? He writes it in his journal. He makes, he makes a hole in his coat pocket. He sews it in his inner lining and he keeps it with him forever until he passes away. See, when you experience God, when you meet God, it is more than you can ever describe. It's more than I can show you. But you have to experience God for yourself. And that is the prayer Paul is saying. Know the love of God. That's what I pray too. Until then, how can you say that you've lived the full life that you've extracted and were able to use everything in your bank account? When someone has done this, then you know, because there's no more reason to really be self-absorbed. There's no reason to be envious or scared. And people react because they're self-conscious. Some of us self-hating, but always to the self, they're proud, they're needy. When we act this way, I can't help but to think I wish they would experience the love of God, wherever it may be, experience the love of God. And how do we do this? And in scripture, there's a great way that I love teaching, and it's the sandwich. If you see any sandwiches in any passage, you pause, look at the inner burger or the meat content, Look at the buns, right? Look at the sandwich. And in this passage, there's also a sandwich, a burger. The meat is the love of God. But the sandwich is covered. He first says, kneel. What's kneel? Kneel is a form of submission. And at the end, he covers it with the doxology. He's glorifying God. He's submitting to God's power. So the sandwich in this passage is submission. You really want to know God. You want to experience him for yourself. Submit to him. Kneel before him in prayer. And pray to God, I want to know you. I want a passion that is unending for you. I want to experience you, you above all these other things because I have looked to the world. I tried to get comfort out of relationships first before you. I try to get comfort out of securing my income or wealth before you. I've tried to get worth by people affirming me before I look to your affirmation. And I've fallen short. It never, never even comes close to par. Submit your emotions. Submit your body. In our world today, these are two things that the world does not teach us. In fact, they, see, they say do the opposite. In fact, um, again, I'm going to talk about when I was a younger person. When I was a younger person, I had a friend, and 
she would always tell me, uh, don't tell me how to feel. Don't tell me how to do anything with my, my emotions. That's how she feels. She can't help it. And I was thinking to myself, oh, I better be careful. And then I saw um, an episode of Everyone Loves Raymond. It's an old show. And there was one part where the wife would yell at the husband, don't tell me how to feel. And I was thinking to myself, that is what the world teaches us. If you feel a certain way, you can't help it. It's just how you feel. But the more and more I read the Bible, the more and more I realize God does tell you how to feel. He says, be joyful. He says, rejoice in all circumstances. He says, when you face trials and sufferings of many kinds, rejoice. He says, be happy about these things. When you give money, like when you lose money, shouldn't you be like, oh, I lost money. Who loses a hand in poker, loses all their, like, all their money and says, yeah, no one says that. There's anger. They're like, I can't believe he got that in the Turner River. I don't know, something like that. And they walk away angry. But God is saying, when you give, rejoice. He is telling us to submit our emotions to him. So when you come walk into the sanctuary and there's a joyful song, as a Christian, what we do is we turn our emotions to God. This is a joyful song. It's time to rejoice and remember what God has done. We submit our emotions to him. It's, we, we live in a time where it says, your body is your own. You can do whatever you want with your body. But in fact, the more and more I read the Bible, I see that we are to submit our bodies to God. God is the one that tells us what to do with our bodies. And it's such a weird, weird paradox where the world will try to teach you, you can do whatever you want with your body, but all the laws are made up with the exception of one or two that you can't do anything with your body. I can't do anything with my body. Do anything with your body right now on the street. We'll call the cops and you'll be taken away. You can't do anything with your body. That's just some weird thing that we're trying to teach our young people and they're believing it. But as a Christian, you already know this because it's in the Bible. Submit your emotions to God. When it's time to repent, what do we do? We go, God, I repent before you. I submit these emotions to you. And I, wanna, I want to ask that your Holy Spirit dig up these things. Maybe I've been hiding it. Maybe there is bitterness in me. And I want to submit myself to you. When God says, do this, work with your body, toil. I want to submit my body to God. And if when it's time to work, when the sun rises, it's time to work. It's time to get up. It's not time to sleep. This is something I want to teach all the college students. When the sun, the sun is up, it's time to work. It's not time to sleep. It's not time to watch K-drama or whatever it is, Netflix, until 5 a.m. It's time to work when the sun comes up. That's because we're submitting our bodies to God. And you see, when the world thinks that this would give us freedom, look what is happening to the world today. Are we more free or are we more helpless in following these things? Your body and your emotions are your own. I believe that we are more confused, more helpless, and we feel more hopeless. But God wants to turn that around. As we submit to God, as submit all these things, kneel, doxology, submission, we see the sandwich in the middle, the burger in the middle. Hope that you can grasp what, how wide the love of God is.
who can't the love of God reach? He has reached you. To what ends of the earth should the gospel not be preached? No, to all the ends of the earth, God's glory will reach. How long is the love of God? Until when will God love you? Until when? Until 5 p.m. today and it's done? Deacons are installed and you can step out? Until when will God love you? Isn't it until after the end of time, whatever that means, for all eternity, God loves you? How high is the love of God? How high will God bring you up? Will he not bring you up to where he is? How high is that? How high is that when you go up to the level of where God is and you get to stand in his presence? How high is the love of God? Can anybody really do that? You go, yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe. There's some other religions that can do that. And then you see how deep is the love of God. How far has he gone to love you? What are the depths of Christ's love for you? Has any other God, any other being go down? Have, have Have they done that? Go down to the depths to show you their love. Is is it even comprehensible that infinity can come to finiteness and then die and go down even lower to Hades to show you his love? How deep is the love of God? We want power through the Spirit to do what? We want power through the Spirit to grasp the love of God. This is what we should be praying for each other. Oh God, may my neighbor, may my sister, may my brother grasp the love of God. How wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is for them. That is my prayer for this church. I pray that you will pray this prayer for each other. Let's pray. God, it's incredible just to even imagine this in our heads. But Lord God, we want to go beyond that. And we want to ask that each and every single one of us who has heard the message today be able to grasp maybe some of us we've heard it ever since we're younger but lord god we need to know it for ourselves we need to experience it in our hearts we need fire and so lord won't you grant us through the power of your holy spirit won't you grasp us won't you grant us this grasping of your love today I pray that we could pray this prayer for our brothers and sisters who are near us and who are dear to us. We could pray this for all those that really need to know you as well. For we are not hopeless. We are hopeful for the next generation, for tomorrow, because the world isn't in our hands. Thank God. Thank you, God. But the world is in your hands. So we submit to you now. Receive our hearts and receive our prayers. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Please remain standing for the charge and closing prayer. Gathered as a church, we submit to the Lordship of
of our Lord Jesus Christ and scattered. Draw upon the infinite riches that he has given you through his spirit, the love of Christ. Lord God, I pray that we can be a people that will be a light in the darkness, a hope for the hopeless, that, Lord, we would draw upon you and show the world that, Lord, you are God and give you the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.